five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. And let's start off with the important stuff right off the bat. We've got a spring meetup today, and we've got about 20 people registered, which is too many, so don't sign up. Don't you sign up. Don't go to the WDMA and sign up, and I don't want to see you there because we got too many people. It won't be any fun if we have too many people. <clears throat> but if you want to come, it's fine. It's casual. Drop in for a little while or a long time. David Rosendahl, famous David Rosendahl in the print industry, has signed up. Uh, Grant Johnson, one of the stalwarts of the WDMA for decades, is also registered. And there's a couple other celebrities that I can't remember. <laughs> I'm not signed up because I'm going to be there whether you like it or not. But uh, if, uh, if you want to say hi and you want to get to know me a little better, the style consultant's running it, so I won't be able to talk as much as I'd like. But I get to talk now. So if you want to come... You get the Zoom link over here, WDMA, look in the upper right, and you'll see the little events, upcoming events, and that's where the Zoom link is hiding, and if you register, we'll also email you it earlier than right before the show, because we're working on that, because so many people say, I can't find the link anymore. Well, so far, if you go back to the WDMA, you can always find that link uh, it's a special high-powered Zoom link. So let's get digged into a Tom Fishburne. Advertising without cookies. The cookies are going away. What do we do? Track consumers with spyware. Use facial recognition drones. Hijack their device cameras. Install RFID chip implants in your skin. Yeah, okay. Uh, how about we respect their privacy and move away from micro-targeting? What an idea. I'm still not convinced micro-targeting works. I've tried macro-targeting and I couldn't get it to work. Because when you take into account the, the enormous amount of effort it is to say, buy now in seven different ways or 20 different ways or five times five times five, 125 different ways every month, you run out of ideas. It uses up your best ideas on the fewest number of people. Wouldn't it be better to offer one good thing to the rest of the world? Uh, and then the boss says, Alan, let's be realistic. You can't move away from micro-targeting. Yeah, want to bet? Want to test it? I've tested it on like 90%, 99% of the articles I read. Okay, so uh, some of the digital ad industries working on alternative techniques to track people. A few of these techniques would be even more invasive than cookies, like tying people to email addresses. Yeah, permanent instead of advertising IDs, temporary. Yeah, except that, you know, if you're like me, you use, you know, Bozo the Clown at WDMA.org or something that you made up and don't ever check like the rest of us, right? Uh Gartner analyst Andrew Frank says, so far, a solution that serves both consumer privacy interests as well as the economic interest of publishers and brands has been elusive. Yes, I know. Last month, David Temkin at Google said, Google's not just removing the third-party cookies. We're going to sock everybody. We're going to remove everything we can, and we're just going to put people into interest-based cohorts. Now, the problem with that is, as I've explained in the past, 
when I when I'd been on Amazon a while, you know, and bought a bunch of stuff, they sent me a survey and they said, what what how would you like to you know we'll you know into in order to improve our tracking, how would you like to be described? And uh, so I thought, well, what have I bought? I bought hunting books. I bit bought Christian books. Okay, so let's look for that. I get in there. There's no hunting option. There's only outdoor. Or maybe it was environmentalist. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, well, let's try Christian. There was no Christian. There was no religious. There was spiritual. <laughs> well, you can imagine the books I got recommended to me after that. <laughs> let's just say they weren't exactly lining up with my interests. And that's the trouble, is that they, the interest categories that you pick may not be in line with what you're trying to sell right uh, so I did a little work for oriental trading and when we looked at their inventory master it had the type of material the item was made out of in other words it's rather than like they so little knickknacks and stuff so rather than like Easter bunnies <laughs> they would have glass ceramic and plastic and so there was no special interest mixed in it was designed that way because they thought that the purchasing people should specialize by material so they could tell good plastic from bad plastic and this just shows you how pre pre-created interest-based lumps don't work so well there's alternatives like dynamically generated uh, clusters based on hundreds of independent variables. That's what we do. But anyway, those don't always work that well either. 72% of people feel that almost all of what they do online is being tracked. This is by Pew Research Center. By advertisers, technology firms, or other companies. And 81% say that the potential risks they face because of data collection outweigh the benefits. Well, what's the alternative? Not search? He described Google's shift as the start of a course toward more privacy-first web. Yeah, right. That's what they want you to believe. Although at Wired, they said Google's move was privacy theater. And here's why. Because this doesn't mean that Google isn't going to track you. It means that only Google will know what you're up to. And the rest of the world, which was normally shared, the third-party cookies were third-party, not Google necessarily. Now, Google can do whatever they want as long as you stay in their, in, their, uh, in their arena or whatever, in their garden. Now, I saw a funny post the other day, and, and they, were, they were told something that they posted was against Google's standards or something they were linking to or something. And they said, I'm not using any Google products. I'm browsing on Chrome. <laughs> I said... If you're browsing on Chrome, you're... Oh, Google, shut up. My phone is asking me what I want. Right. And that's a good example. Google listens to my show. Do you? <laughs> Let's see. Oh, good. Is there anybody over here? Let's see. I see Kirk. I see people over here. I don't know if I'm live on... Oh, yeah, I am live on, on Netflix or no. What is this? <laughs> LinkedIn. Okay, LinkedIn's working. If you don't know, we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, and and uh, YouTube every day. So you can have some alternatives. I see some people out there, but nobody said hello. 
And the style consultant says I should just launch off into it as if there were people in the world. <laughs> but I'm a solipsist. Look it up. Okay, so Google knows your secrets. Okay, here's one on informed delivery. The reason I decided to, to, to mention this is because Forbes, it's in Forbes. And I kind of think like, man, that's the big time. So, and this guy is uh, a, doing new mer, mover franchises. And so he's not exactly direct mail. And he says that he actually does use uh, informed delivery, which I think is nice. Okay, so it's supposed, it, it informed delivery allows people to see their mail before it's delivered to their mailbox. And what's the advantage of that? Well, you can see if there's something important. You could see if there's something that might be shredded by your significant other for they do. You, um, but also it only shows the exterior. So it could tell you that you could check the days every day that goes by that it's only ad mail and nothing special. So uh, either make the outside of your envelope look important <clears throat> rather than say a postcard or People can just throw out the whole pile without having to look again at it. You know, I personally signed up for it in 2017 and don't look at it at all. So when they say it's an 80% open rate, I'm really shocked. Uh, it, it says it will likely increase the number of people who take the time to read their mail, to read the mail you send them. I think it's very likely it will decrease the number. And uh, every advertiser I've talked to said that doing it or not doing it did not significantly improve the results of the mail. So, uh, and it requires you to do mail before you get into the process. So, if you're not a uh, if you're not an advocate for mail, I don't think informed delivery is going to tip the, the scales for you. Okay. Mostly what I've been told is, okay, so they say 20 million households plus, so you take that's out of 100 million households, something like that. Okay, so it's only 20% participation, right? <coughs> As a mailer, you're not mailing to 100%. Uh, it's like when you mail half a million pieces of mail, you'll only get to half the zip codes in America, just saying. And of those, only about 2,000 will respond, even if it's a low-cost item. So your sample set is down to nothing, right? Only a handful of people are going to be participants who also open their mail. And the chances of them responding are so small. Uh, and that's what advertisers are telling me. So I just wish, I wish the USPS would hone in on the benefits of mail rather than trying to rather than trying to act like they're somehow Google. Anyway, we'll just skip it. You can read the whole article at WDMA.org. If you subscribe, you can get the show notes every day. This is a great article. This is a great article I wanted to get to from the Richmond News or something like that. Um, Doug and Polly are like, a, you can write in your business questions and somebody asks, I sent out 500 pieces of mail and I had 17 people purchase my product. I think those are good results, but I'm not 100% certain. I'm contemplating borrowing money to expand my direct mail option operation and mail about a million people, which is quite a few. Okay, now, 
Doug goes on, Doug and Polly go on to tell this questioner, uh, it sounds like you have an interesting opportunity. There, that could be making money. Now, the problem is, is that, you know, when I talk with Blockbuster Video about their catalog that they wanted to launch, they said, well, um, you know, I said, well, what do you think the average order will be? Well, we're selling individual VHS tapes um, or collections. I said, okay, how about 35 bucks? Is that a good guess? They said, yeah, okay, 35 bucks. I said, and what's the margin on 35 bucks? And they said, um, oh, not that much, you know, 30%. I said, okay, so we got about $10 left uh, of margin, right, after we sell it. So $10, and you're going to send a catalog out. This guy doesn't say, or this person doesn't say how much they're going to spend. Uh, you know, let's say it's, let's say it's 50 cents, okay? And how much is your order processing? Well, we want to use the fulfillment center in Dallas that we use to send stuff to the, to the uh, stores, and we charge them $8 per package. So $8. I said, okay, so you got $10 of margin, and you're spending 8 on fulfillment. So um, you got two left to generate an order. At 50 cents a piece, that's only four catalogs. That's 25% break even. They said, well, we still think it could work. I said, well, I don't see how. They said, well, we want you to work on it. You're the number one guy in the country on catalog. I said, I'm not going to work on it. So the number two guy from Blockbuster flew up to see me. Well, first the IT guy flew up the main IT guy at Blockbuster, to see if I was actually capable of handling the data, you know, because they had 25 or 27 million households. The IT guy said, oh, yeah, they can handle it. They don't have any trouble with that. All the data that we've got, they can handle it all, <laughs> which was pretty impressive in the mid-90s. And uh, then, <laughs> then the number two guy flew up, and I couldn't find him at the airport. That was before cell phones, I think. Anyway, the point is, it's not just one number up here. The another point is, so break even. You bet. Does that even get you break even? You know, it might not. If your margins are low, uh, it could easily not. Uh, variable cost per piece. Yeah, how much are you spending on your on your on your vehicle? Is it a postcard? Is it you know fifty cents? Is it a dollar? You know, the unforgettable mail stuff the post office touts is like $20 per piece. Well, you better have a lot of margin. Uh, fixed cost. What does it cost you overhead-wise to create your campaigns? Margin. We already talked about that. How many pieces? That's another really interesting thing. When I'm, I'm working on this startup and I'm trying to, to find uh, deer hunters, and so I said to, my, uh, to three different list brokers, I want to see the, basically the scope of the universe. And one found me about a million names total. I said I was going to mail a half a million in the first drop. That's not enough names. It wasn't even that, I don't think. I think it was 150,000 or 200,000. The next one came up with about a half a million, and the third one came up with about three and a half million, just to start. So that tells me, okay, well, I could do at least three or four drops without a lot of trouble. Okay, so how? what's the scope? Are there a million names? You know, if you're looking for left-handed chiropractors or one-armed chiropractors or something, you know, you're not going to probably find your million pieces. <clears throat> Just saying. Okay. Um, 
oftentimes when you roll out, no matter what, it seems like in practical, you know, yeah, the statistics are one thing, but with a small sample size, it almost always seems like it goes down a lot. And there's some reasons for that uh, regression to the mean and other things. But Doug points, Doug and, and Polly point out, you should probably try mailing 10,000 pieces. You know, we used to tell people when you're going to start in direct mail, you should be mailing 250,000 because 5,000 is a good number for statistical validity. If you're expecting uh, 2%, which is not a good guess, but it's a starting point, then you get about 50 orders per list, and that will give you an idea of what's going on. Um, that's, so that's where we would start. But in for this person, I would say, yeah, 10,000. Go and see what happens to the 10,000. See if it goes down tremendously or goes up a little or whatever happens. Okay, and so anyway, this is a tremendously excellent article about sample size, about break-even numbers. This thing is about the best article in clarity I have read in years. And so thank you, Doug and Polly. I wish there was more on testing, but with those numbers, you know, what can you say about testing? So like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. I'm John Miglosh. Have a great day. Go over to WDMA.org. Register, and we'll see you in a couple of hours. Bye-bye.